Father God, <clears throat> Lord Jesus, and Holy Spirit, what an honor it is to be able to stand with you in these uncertain times when we have ungodly leadership over you. And Father God, we know that you are up in heaven and you laugh in derision at their at at what what they believe and what they think and what they're doing because they think they want a victory and you look ahead and you see their destruction. We just praise you and we thank you that we can stand with you in, in hard times and put our trust in you and, and, and stand strong on your word, hand in hand, one with another, loving one another and loving you. In Christ's name, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hey. Hey. Hi, Autumn. God bless you. Hi. <laughs> In this uh, in this series on uh, that we've been doing in, in the book of Hebrews, this is I believe the third message with a new covenant title. <laughs> so this is new covenant witness, and we are in Hebrews 10, verses 15 through 18. Um, sh should we get to 18? <laughs> I really wanted to take it as a section because it's a section in its own right. But boy, what a section! So let's get right in. Hebrews 10. This is out of the ESV. We're going to read verses 15 through 16. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Amen? Mm -hmm. Now, this is, I believe, the second time in the book of Hebrews that the language of the New Covenant has been quoted. The quote's out of Jeremiah. Uh, the New Covenant's found throughout the Bible, but this is out of Jeremiah. And Hebrews 8 and, I think, verses 10 and 11 is the last time that we, we visited this, okay? So... I gotta move the rocking horn. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh, that's what that is. I was like, wow, what's that bad beat? He's teaching to a metronome. So, <laughs> so we just we just read the the whole thing's a highlight, right? I mean, if I were doing my orange highlight on the black, and the reason I have the black screen for this to make it easier on on this camera, and people can actually see it online if they're looking. But anyhow, here are the section highlights. You ready? These 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 four verses. The Holy Spirit bears witness to us. The new covenant dynamic. The law put into our hearts and written on our minds. 
Now, already, wait a minute, the law put in our minds. Well, I mean, where's the mind, will, and emotion? Where have we been taught that is? So. Mm -hmm. Huh. Well, wait a minute. But I, I thought my new creation was just in the spirit. Or I thought the mind was just in the soul. Or I thought, maybe we have too many pigeons and too many pigeonholes mm -hmm. for a holistic, dynamic God who speaks Hebrew and happened to write the New Testament in Greek through the Holy Spirit just so it last and be specific to a wider audience. Maybe. Just maybe. But hopefully, as we look at this, you get a new groove. I really pray we get to what God remembers and what He decide, what He determines or, or He chooses not to. Right? And then freedom from sin. That's all that's in there. <laughs> just the gospel. Just the good news. <laughs> so, the Holy Spirit testifies to us. The Holy Spirit testifies to us. He bears witness. It's a forensic term. You know, forensics like you know, offering testimony in court. <coughs> he bears witness. He testifies. He speaks to things. This is in the context of the New Covenant. The Holy Spirit testifies to us. He bears witness and testimony to the fact that we're under a New Covenant. But I want to look at this uh, testimony of the Holy Spirit. And in, uh, in John 3, remember Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. And I'm going to endeavor to read the small print of this ESV and not have it trip over my King James tongue. Alright, so John chapter 3, verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, this man came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from, come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. I can go into a whole nother... Oh, anyway. <laughs> Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless you are the one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This is a complete non sequitur. Jesus... The master. It's, I, I love watching how he has conversations. It's kind of like if Nicodemus walked up and said, you know, it's supposed to be cold tomorrow. And, and Jesus replies, in Rome, there are seven mountains. Yeah. I mean, what's that got to do with anything, right? <laughs> so, we're talking about immediate, automatic, total control of the conversation. Nicodemus comes with, well, a compliment. Or possibly flattery. And Jesus says, well, you can't see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. Wait a minute. Alright. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? I mean, Nicodemus is a realist. <laughs> Wait a minute. So, the words Jesus used were the common words used for giving birth. Otherwise, why would Nicodemus reply, well, how's that supposed to happen? That's crazy. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. 
So this is classic Hebraic parallelism. Water and the spirit, flesh and spirit. When you're born, the amniotic sac breaks and water comes out. We're not talking about water baptism and then getting born again. We're talking about being born in the flesh and then being born again. Which means there's no non-born... I won't go there. Anyway. Uh, stay on target. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now remember that. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? So, I mean, he's just already blown a stack, right? Talk about getting a new groove. How can this be? Jesus said unto him, are, are you a teacher in Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Now comes verse 11. I mean, you're, you're a teacher, and you don't, you don't get what I'm telling you? He says, truly, truly, I say to you, we. <laughs> we speak of what we know and we bear witness to what we have seen, but you don't receive our testimony. Well, why is he using the plural? Who's he talking about? God the Father and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. In him. Now, uh, a, another view of this is he's talking about those who are born of the Spirit. But I just take this on the plain face of him speaking present tense. He's talking to him about the Spirit. And he says, we talk about the things we see and know. And you're not getting it. You're here for some reason. We, we know God's with you. Can you hear the but? You know, Rabbi, we know God's with you because you do all these works. <laughs> but Jesus says, we speak of what we know. So, now, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, are their purposes ever at odds? No. No. If you had two persons who had the same memory base and the same knowledge base, they would be the same person. So, any, I mean, I can go on and on. How Jesus testifies is how the Holy Spirit testifies. Because the character of God doesn't change. God is God. He behaves that way because that's who He is. He cannot be untrue, which means He always acts according to His being. I am. So, when the Holy Spirit bears witness to us, He bears witness of what He has seen and what He knows. And what He has seen and what He knows is that you are under a new covenant. You are under a new covenant. And He tells this to you all the time. Because He's that good. <laughs> I can back up. I want to read it in verse 12. Um, yeah, I want to read verse 12. 
If I have told you earthly things and you don't believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And that, that verse still just shakes me. Because this is deep stuff. And Jesus says, I'm just talking about what's going on on earth. <laughs> Our high priest is in heaven. The Holy Spirit is testifying to us of what he sees in heaven. The ever-living one with the marks on his hands, still for the price he paid once for all forever. Yeah. <laughs> it's exciting stuff, and I'm in the intro. Yeah. He's walking after supper to the garden. Which supper? The last supper. And these are the lessons he imparted to his disciples on that walk. And he said, When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. What in the world is the Holy Spirit going to tell you about Jesus? Everything. <laughs> like, I was there when He paid it. Mm -hmm. I was there when He laid it all down to enter humanity. I was there when the devil tempted Him and He won. I was there when they beat him and he was silent. I was there when he breathed out his life. I was there when he came up out of the grave. I was there when he sat on the throne. And I'm here to tell you, he's on the right hand of the Father and he's paid the price for your sin. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's so good. I have my hands in my pocket because otherwise I'm going to get like really animated. <laughs> Romans 8, chap, uh, chapter 8, verse 15 and 16. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery. Remember that. You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit of God cries out from within your inner being that God is your Father. That you're not an orphan. That you're not alone. That you have the best daddy in the entire universe. Amen. If God is our Father, who can be against us? Amen. No. They can be against us, but they're not going to win. Amen. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You are spirit, soul, and body. And your spirit, your inmost being, the animating principle of man, when God breathed into him the breath of life, the Holy Spirit resides there. It's how he brought the light there. It's how he brought you back to life there. It's how he recreated you there. And he bears witness. Yep, you're his kid. Yep, you're his kid. Yep, you're his kid. Yes, you're kind. Yes, you're pure. Yes, you're true. Yes, you're long-suffering. Yes, you are whole. Yes, you are generous. Yes, you are merciful. Yes, you are righteous. Yes, you are true. 
We have joy. Just. We have joy knowing that. You're joyful. <laughs> You're his kid. You look just like him. <laughs> That's what he says. So, if you, <laughs> anybody listen to WNIS here in this market, you know, Tony McCreen does this thing where he's always advertising healthy hearing now. If you heard, maybe you need healthy hearing now. So, if you think the conviction of the Holy Spirit sounds like this, you're just awful. You're a sinner. You're no good. Oh, the Spirit's really convicting me. Maybe you need a little scripture. Because <laughs> that ain't the Holy Spirit talking to you. Sounds like somebody else we know. Because that's not what the Holy Spirit bears witness to. Because that's not what he's seen, and that's not what he knows. He knows you've been bought and paid for. He knows you've been recreated. He knows that you are the Father's child. And that's what he says to you. Isn't that good? Mm -hmm. Very good. His, so His favorite. Say again? His favorite. His favorite. His favorite. <laughs> I need healthy hearing now. <laughs> what? I had, to, I, had to switch. I had to switch from my teaching didactic back to Southern for a second. Um, anyway. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about this new covenant dynamic. What is this? See, remember that the failure of the old covenant was that man couldn't keep it. The covenant, there was no problem with the covenant itself. The problem was us. And so how God fixed this was he fixed us. Right? So this new, this new dynamic, first of all, he put it on our hearts. I will put my laws on their hearts. And this word put in the Greek is didomai. It's didomai. And the um, exege exegetical dictionary in the New Testament says, it is the most common expression for the procedure whereby a subject deliberately transfers something to someone so that it becomes available to the recipient. Right? Somebody transfers something. It's like if, if I gave you something, it's like, this is an illustration. It's my favorite pen. I'm not giving it away yet. <laughs> but, but, Emma, I said, I said, did am I? And now she can use it. Now it's available to her. I, I did that deliberately, right? I'm taking it back. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord doesn't take it back. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Um, so what does this mean? God deliberately transferred the law onto our hearts, making it intimately and immediately available to us. At the very <coughs> core of our being, the very center of who we are, the righteous requirement of walking with holy God, your Father, is there like that. Praise God. That's good, isn't it? That's good news. Now, I don't know about you, but I know I have um, been challenged or maybe even secretly comforted by the fact that this inscription of the law was in my spirit man whom I have a hard time accessing because my soul man learned a whole bunch of stuff over time. <laughs> he has some other ingrained habits 
that may cause me to go, I don't know what that funny thing is. I don't know what's going on down there. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. um, and so, I know it's there, so now I, I could exercise faith that God would bring up that reminder of what His promise is when I'm in difficult times. It's in there. You don't get that out. Because see, the new covenant is more, more powerful than that. As if that wasn't powerful enough. Certainly powerful. He placed that law in our hearts. Okay? Um, and and the, the, the spirit of the law is proscriptive versus prohibitive. The letter of the law is prohibitive. Thou shalt not. Right? Pretty much. But the spirit of the law is, so, in the, as a for instance, thou shalt not murder. Okay? Well, there is a deeper level of prohibitive law that resides under the root of murder. Don't be angry. But there is a um, proscriptive spirit of life law that is way deeper than that which is, thou shalt give life. Tabitha, arise. That's the New Testament contrast to not murdering, raising someone from the dead. Hello. <laughs> well, what happens when you bear witness? Where were we? In John 15? Jesus said he would bear witness, and, then he, and he said to his disciples, and you will bear witness also. He's going to bear witness, and then you're going to bear witness also, because you were with me from the beginning. Right? Well, you're going to bear witness. Well, in this relationship with the Holy Spirit, when He bears witness, He empowers you to bear witness. There are all kinds of disciplines you can learn, and probably should learn, with regard to evangelism, with regard to sharing your faith. But a a natural outcome of your relationship with your father is that he testifies in you and you testify of him. That's the way it works. Right? So, he makes that available to us. He transfers that law in our hearts and he makes it available to us. Then he says he wrote it in our minds. He wrote it in our minds. Not only did mind he, did he, what's that? We have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. So, this right on their minds. Right is the Greek word epigrapho. Bollinger defines it as to grave or cut in. And in the New Testament, he says it's to form letters with a stylus in the ancient manner. So that the letters were cut or graven on the material. This is not wet ink on nerve cells. This is... So this is so fantastic. So if you study neuroscience, memories and habits are um, self-replicating cascades. The order in which your synapses fire in response to the neurotransmitters, that pattern is laid down by your life experience and what you've done. Study, trauma, discipline... Along comes the Holy Spirit and says, let me put another circuit up in there. Now, 
I'm talking about the brain. The brain is the, um, think of the brain as, as say, your radio set. <laughs> and the mind as the program that's playing on that radio set. Okay? But there's another groove in there that goes according to the pattern of the law of God. It's cut in there. It's cut in there. There is a path of least resistance in your mind under the new covenant. It's not the path of your flesh. It's the path of the Spirit. All you have to do is follow it. I gotta just follow it. Work for mind is deep thought or the exercise of the mind. How your mind works. You are really a new creature in Christ. Do you believe it? Yes. You see, what chapter comes after chapter 10 in Hebrews? Chapter 11. Mm -hmm. Huh? Chapter 11. Cha and what's chapter 11 about, Mr. Cole? Faith. Faith. So, we are at the tail end of the doctrinal part of this letter to Hebrews. And we're going to get into the practical things of what this letter's about. So after this, I mean, boatload of doctrine. Right? It encapsulates with the reality of the new covenant and then goes right into, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. Woohoo! <laughs> you know? Well, if Scripture tells me that if I follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, I will not fill up the lusts of my flesh. And I find myself struggling with still filling up the lusts of my flesh. There's only one thing I can come to a conclusion to. I'm not what? I'm not following the Spirit. This is why it's called repentance. All it is is a change of direction. I'm following this guy. Oh, no, I'm going to follow this guy. And if I'm following this guy, I'm not following that guy. Man, that's hard. We gotta sweat it out. Go into a sweat lodge or something. Eat some purgatives. I don't know. This is the simplicity that's in Christ. This is what He did for us. He put it on our hearts and He engraved it on our minds. This means that when you actually get contemplative, you're a born again, New Testament saint, and you decide to contemplate about life, he has made the exercise of your mind go to Him. Isn't that good? <laughs> that just excited me. Because <clears throat> I tell you what. God cut in, engraved the law into our deep thoughts and the exercise of our mind. That's good news. That is good news. Ezekiel 36, verses 26 and 27. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Again, Hebraic parallelism. So you see heart and spirit, they're correlated. And then you see stone and flesh, they're correlated. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. This is what God's going to do. He's going to put the Spirit. So the contrast is between a stony heart 
and a heart of flesh. Why are your hearts hardened? We start starts talking about blindness and hard-heartedness. Okay? And this is God changing hard-heartedness. Intentional not understanding. Fixing the understanding circuit. This is what He did in the Spirit. The natural man doesn't understand the things of the Spirit of God because they're spiritually discerned. How is it that now we can understand the things of the Spirit of God? Because He engraved His ways in our mind. So that when we exercise our mind, we go, oh, I get it now. Saul had no new scriptural knowledge. All the scriptural knowledge he had at the feet of Gamaliel, a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee of the tribe of Benjamin, led him to pull Christians out of their home, incarcerate and beat them, and wreck the church, thinking he was doing something for God. And then he met Jesus. And then, all that scripture that was God-breathed, all that scripture that the Holy Spirit had inscribed by holy men of God, that was here, God, in his heart, in his mind, and the next day he goes into a synagogue and begins preaching Christ. Same knowledge, different understanding. Why? He got his heart changed. The Spirit of God was in him. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? That happened to us. <laughs> I was an angry, murdering fool. And then I met Jesus. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. And you show that you are a letter from Christ, delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Mm -hmm. What was written on tablets of stone? The Ten Commandments were written on tablets of stone. The Ten Commandments were written on tablets of stone. And so now you have tablets of stone and tablets of flesh, the heart. Now, who created the heart? God. God, God did. Well, whose laws are on those tablets of stone? God. God's. You think maybe there's some correlation between the physiology of the human heart and the laws of God? Perhaps, maybe? Well, before we look at correlations, let's look at contrasts. Now, this is all going to be in one shot, so you can start reading ahead and not hearing what I'm saying. Or you just follow along with a bouncing finger. Okay. So, the table of stones, the old covenant, but the table of the heart is the new covenant. Now, this is... This is a, a contrast. When you read 2 Corinthians 3, verses 1 through 18, this is the contrast between these two. Old covenant, new covenant. The old covenant was written with the finger of God, but the new covenant is written with the Spirit of God. The old covenant was a ministry of death. The new covenant is a ministry of life. The letter kills. The letter of the law kills, but the Spirit gives life. The glory of the law was being brought to an end but the glory which is greater of the new covenant is permanent. Tablets of stone was a ministry of condemnation. But the tablets of the heart is a ministry of righteousness. And there was a veil on Moses' face that so they couldn't see the glory. But in the new covenant, the veil is taken away and we can see his face 
and be changed into the same image from glory to glory. You see the hand of God in that? I see the betterness of the new covenant. Betterness of the new covenant. There's a principle, you know, first the natural, then the spiritual. And that God made the material realm the things we can see to give witness of His divine power and Godness, His Godhead. The virtue of Him being God. Okay? So... What's cool to me is the New Covenant brings us closer to Him, which of course is relative to the veil being rent. Rent. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Just He came to us. Amen. Awesome. Alright, so... You see this heart, you've got, you've got the left and right chambers, right at the, now the heart kind of leans in there, but you know, bear with me here. At the top of the heart you have the atrium, right, at the bottom you have the ventricles, and then the right side you have, you have the, the flow from the veins, and on, that's your right side, as you're facing that, that's the left side of the diagram, right? <coughs> I get this right. Now on the left side is your atrium. This is the oxygenated blood. It's the blood that comes in from the lungs and then goes back out of the body. Right? That's the arrangement of your heart. Well, what's the arrangement of those tablets of stone? There are two, tab two tablets in the tablets of stone and the tables of the heart. There are two sides. Those tablets of stone were written on both sides. Two sides to each tablet. There are two chambers per side of your heart. The first laws basically one through five, five being a transitional, hang on the first law. Love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Its responsibility is vertical. I am the Lord your God, and shall not have no other gods before me. No graven image. Don't take my name in vain. Keep the Sabbath holy. Honor your father and mother. Honor your father and mother is that transitional. You know, it's vertical, but it's also horizontal, right? Okay? The second law is duty to man, horizontal. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? The lower chambers of the heart are horizontal. So the atrium flow goes primarily this way. The ventricle, the flow primarily goes this way, horizontally out to the body. Two copies of one covenant. That's why there were two tables. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a covenant. One copy for God, one copy for man. Two types of blood and one heart. One copy for man. Well, in the veins you have deoxygenated blood. That's why your veins are blue. Right? So there's no oxygen connecting to the iron and da 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 da, and that's why it's red. But the one copy for God, see, on the left side in your arteries you have oxygenated blood. Well, how does that blood get oxygenated? It has to go through the lungs and get air. The Spirit brings life. <laughs> Love God with all your heart, vertical. Blood flows into the atria first. Love your neighbor as yourself. Blood flows from the atrium to the ventricles and then out to the body. Two is the number of witness. His Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Here's just a little slice of what God does over and over and over and over and over again and everything he created. <laughs> this one, though, sits there and reminds you it's there. Because if it doesn't, it's not there reminding you it's there, you got a problem. <laughs> right?
big problem. You know, if you're not hearing thump thump, but you're hearing beep, <laughs> I just unplugged that thing and put it back in. <laughs> right. Isn't that good? Yes. Isn't that good? So, see, he wrote that into our heart. And he engraved it on our mind. That's the dynamic of the new covenant. Um, he accomplishes it through his spirit. All we have to do is follow. Amen? All right. So now, you get to pay attention to just me talking. Because I ran out of typing time. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> So let's talk about what God remembers and what he chooses not to. <laughs> what God remembers and what he chooses not to. So we're in Hebrews 10. And then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. God is not going to remember your sins. And that's a word that widely means just missing the mark. But derives, Bollinger traces the etymology to a word that, that basically derives from the muddying of the water. When, when uh, adulteration comes into the fresh water and makes it bitter. <clears throat> Things that make it messy. God doesn't remember the things that you did that make your life messy. <laughs> he doesn't remember your lawless deeds. That iniquity is actually unknown. Um, well, I've got it written down, but you can look it up in the Greek. It's... Um, How come we can remember? Because the devil brings them back to our mind. <laughs> so, it says he, he, he won't remember. But you know what God remembers? See, God remembers his covenant, Psalm. 105th Psalm. And verse 7. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers His covenant forever, the word that He commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant He made with Abraham, His sworn promise to Isaac. See, what God remembers is His covenant and His promises. That's what He chooses to remember. And He covenants, He makes personal covenants. Remember, Noah gets in the, sh in the boat, it rains, everything drowns, and then it says, God, remember Noah. Now that's not, see, it's not like, you know, Gabriel, what's that noise down there? What, Lord? I don't know, sound like a big boom. Oh, that's thunder, God. Thunder? What's going on down there on earth? Well, it's raining. Don't you remember? You, you open the windows of heaven and... Oh my goodness, Noah! I gotta get Noah! I just remembered Noah! No! No! No, that's not... That's not what it is. It, it's... This, this word remember... You know, it's not like I remembered like I forgot something. It's like I remembered. It is to think much of a thing... And so to remember, to call to one's mind. To call to one's mind. It's what he actively puts on his mind. Actively on the mind of God is his promise and covenant with you that you are sealed with his Holy Spirit 
because of the precious blood of His Son, and He has promised you, has promised you eternal life. That's what He remembers. That's what He remembers. What He chooses not to think much about. What He chooses not to hold in mind are your sins and iniquities, your lawless deeds. That's not what God's thinking about. So if you're fretting about your lawless deeds, He's not. He took care of that. Right? Um, it says, I'll remember their sins and the law's deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. The King James has it translated as remission. So where there's forgiveness of these, there's no longer uh, any uh, payment for sin. It is the Greek word aphesis. And we would transliterate that as A-P-H-E-S-I-S. And it means freedom. It means freedom. Um, to send forth, to pardon. Now, this Greek word, the Septuagint translators, the 70, that translated the Hebrew Old Testament into Greek, they use this word to uh, translate forgiveness one time in Leviticus. But it, 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 it means release, liberation, forgiveness. They used it as their word for jubilee. So when the Hebrews said jubilee in Leviticus 25, <coughs> they used this word. What's jubilee all about? It's forgiveness of sins. Debt. Released yes. from slavery, released from debt, reaffirmed to your inheritance, and back on your land. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I, just I, I just want us to get a bigger picture, if there's, if it's possible. I, I, I'm guilty of generally thinking of forgiveness uh, as, you know, I am cognizant of what I've done. And so is God, and God says, yeah, okay, you did that, but I'm not going to beat you up over it. You're forgiven. Not what he did. Well, let's, just, let's just talk about anger. Okay, so I had a serious sin problem with anger. Well, God didn't just say, okay, I'm not going to be upset with you for being angry. He said, I'm going to set you free from anger. I'm going to set you free from anger. You will not be bound to anger anymore. Because you're forgiven. You're released. You didn't receive a spirit of bondage. You didn't receive a spirit of slavery. You're my son. You're free. I good? To be forgiven is, is to be set free from the bondage of sin. Not just the consequence, but the bondage of it. Well, how did we get born again? We have faith in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That sacrifice set you free 
I've checked, and it's only in zombie movies and horror flicks where dead people do awful things. Most dead people I'm aware of haven't done anything since their last breath. True. They can't sin. <laughs> They're dead. <laughs> well, that's what happened to your old man. Mm. Not your dad. Well, <laughs> well my dad's. Yeah. That one. Anyhow, yeah, <laughs> you got, got it. it. Right? <laughs> the old you died with Christ on the cross. I like that this consists of what Jesus teaches about going the extra mile of the whole Roman analogy of uh -huh. like, you know, if the Roman tells you to pick up your walk a mile with me, go with the extra, because uh -huh. he does the same thing. He's not teaching us something that he doesn't already do. He, he just asks us to do twice as much. He does exceedingly, abundantly, above, above all. Yeah, exactly. So we can ask or think. I'm just not going to tell you not to do it. I'm going to make sure that, you, that I set you free set from Set you that. free from it and set you on a path that does the absolute opposite. The absolute repair. Again, like the comparison between murdering someone and raising someone from the dead. Well, that's a pretty good contrast, right? Yeah, I see. <laughs> you know? Murdering some and raising someone from the dead. Right? So, that is, uh, that's the good news for him. Let's go all the way back to that. Quick review backward, just so you can get it all. Uh. Are you there yet? I just want to read these verses again. There we go. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. And then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, where there's liberty from this, when there's release from this, when there is freedom from this, there's no more offering for sin. It's done. It's done. You think he lied when he said it's finished? He didn't. Praise God. We live under the covenant of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The reminder of our identity as children of God recreated to express His own image. Amen? Amen. Amen.